hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is a guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back runner. He's not Dan Grafton. He's just fourth. Still Grafton. Oh my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grafton. This is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Victor. He absolutely decked Jim Kite with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 74 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. I got a very good one for you guys today. I was uh, fortunate enough to reach out and get an interview with Chris Ortabody. And, uh, you know, I know some of you uh, might not know who that is, as he's a first year pro in the ECHL this year, but he's uh, definitely doesn't shy away from throwing down the gloves and getting after it. So, um, it, it was an awesome time interviewing him. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on the podcast. Um, as we get into it here, he was the, actually Nico Blatchman's first career press, uh, excuse me, professional fight uh, in the regular season. Obviously, Nico fought. I think Nico fought like four times in the fucking preseason. But um, this was Chris's uh, first pro fight and Nico Blatchman's first pro fight. So uh, it was really cool, and Chris did very well versus uh, a young and hungry Nico and uh, it was a lot of fun to interview him, so thank you very much, Chris, for coming on. Uh, it was it was a great time. I definitely got to get you back on after the next season, too. So, uh, you know, I'll be watching you, and best of luck. I know you're doing some off-season training here soon and getting after it, and hopefully you, uh, you know, able to get into a couple scraps up there in Worcester. I know it's uh, d- division. it all depends on who's in your division because, of course, the ECHL is big on divisional play. Um, so, you know, best of luck to you, but... Uh, you know, before we get to uh, the interview with Chris Ortabody, I of course have to mention that the Five for Fighting podcast is a proud member of the Six Pack Coverage Group. Six Pack Coverage is a multimedia group based out of Nashville that covers not only sports but fitness, travel, food, health, uh, collegiate upcomings, and news happenings, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they got a bunch of different stuff for you, so I encourage you to go check out Six Pack Coverage. Like I said, if you're looking for sports, they got football, baseball, basketball, hockey, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it doesn't cover just ho- uh, like hockey and sports. It covers a bunch of other stuff, so I encourage you to go check them out. They, uh, were, I was fortunate enough to sign with them this past year, so I appreciate uh, Andrew being patient with me here these past, uh, I think, fuck, I think it's been like two and a half weeks since I released an episode. Um, I'm really trying to get back on it. I think we should be back on track with the uh, the old schedule here. It's been kind of hectic going, uh, you know, as many of you listening have known, I just recently moved to North Carolina, so it's been like, uh, you know, kind of getting in the saddle with how things work up here. It's literally just me and another guy for my company. It's, it's just two of us up here, so sometimes it gets really busy, but... Um, you know, I'm going to make more time for the podcast here and I got a better idea of how the schedule goes now after being, being into it for about a month now. So, um, 
yeah, I, I, like I said, I apologize for lack of content here, but uh, we're going to be back on the uh, the normal programming schedule to continue your regular programming, right? Uh, but no, so thanks thanks for those sticking uh, sticking it out with me there, and uh, the reception for the Anthony Collins episode was awesome. So thanks again for Anthony Collins to come onto the podcast and uh, you know let, let me yap his ear off for about an hour. That was a great time, but um, yeah. So like I said, folks, it's, hopefully everything's going to be back to a uh, regular scheduling and I don't want to take up too much of your time here as it's uh yeah, it's almost nine o'clock here. It's a Monday night, but um, I encourage you to check out the other shows that I've always mentioned before. And it's the usual suspects. Well, actually just one usual suspect now, but uh, I'll get into that in a second. But it's of course, Darren over at the fourth line voice. Uh, Darren does a tremendous job. He's the original enforcer podcast. And he was actually, I was, I, I'm jealous the bastard got to go to Ice Wars and watch the hockey fight tournament um, that many of you probably already know. If you, if you follow the fights and follow the podcast, you know what Ice Wars is, so I'm not going to really explain it, but, um, you know, eight-man hockey fight tournament. Oh, Gates is barking in the background. I wonder if y'all can hear that. Uh, lovely new pup. That's another thing, too. Our hands have been full with the pup, so if the wife's gone, I don't really want to leave him down. His bladder's really small still, so we got to run him out about every hour, hour and a half. Um, or else, you know, we got a puddle to clean up somewhere. He's not allowed on carpet yet, so, <laughs> but, uh, that's definitely been keeping my hands full. But anyway, like I was saying, Darren over at the fourth line voice, um, is a tremendous back catalog. If you want to check him out, John Rasty, uh, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, uh, Dean Mayer, and I'm trying to think of some dude, Brad Wingfield, yeah, all the guys at, uh, at Ice Wars he had on. So, um, I encourage you to go check out Darren over the fourth line voice and check out his YouTube channel. Of course, he has uh, a bunch of YouTube videos up of hockey fights. Um, I'm trying to think of who he just had. Oh, it was great. Not bright. That's right. I couldn't remember who he had on. I haven't listened to that one yet. He just had on Cade McNelly and I remember that one, but, um, I had to go back and look at that. So I apologize. I was checking on my phone there, but, uh, yeah, so go, go check out Darren's, uh, show his YouTube channel. He does a great job. Um, as much as it, much as it kills me to say the guy from Saskatchewan does a good job, but, um, and normally I would tell you to go to, well, I actually go check out the last episode. He just had Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. Joe, uh, did an Islander based, uh, enforcer podcast and basically covered all the, uh, the Islanders tough guys and guys who were in the, in and out of the club, whether it was the ECHL, a, a, or excuse me. Yeah. ECHL or AHL, um, or the NHL. He, he had guys on who were all all from around the club, but Joe recently just came out with an episode uh, titled It's Been Fun, and I think uh, Joe's going to kind of put everything on the back burner for a bit, and I totally get it. I uh, completely understand where he's coming from. It's, you know, Joe, sorry, the dog's out there barking in the background. I'm sure you guys can hear it, but um, yeah, so the joys of having a new puppy. Um, but no, so Joe... Joe um, recently just kind of came out and said he's kind of putting the podcast on hold and uh, he reached out to some guys before and if they get back to him and says uh, he wants to, they want to do an interview, he's going to go out and do an interview. He's going to leave everything up. Give me one sec here. Let me get some water. <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, Joe's been busy. He's, well, he's recently, recently getting over COVID for the third time, man. Holy shit. That's insane. Uh, so glad, glad to hear Joe made a good recovery from COVID, but yeah, I totally get it. Um, literally, if we didn't move to Fort Myers or we didn't move to North Carolina, well, um, yeah, if we stayed out in Tampa, the, the, I, I wouldn't even be doing the podcast anymore because at the time, man, I was so busy. I stopped doing the podcast. I don't think I came out with an episode for five months, um, and then I got the opportunity to do it again. I said, I don't know if I'll be done completely. Like when I, I made the announcement you know, to all 12 people that gave a fuck, but 
Um, no. So I made the announcement kind of saying, uh, I'm done for now. And if anything, if, you know, down the line, I'd love to do it again. But for now it's, it's not happening. Um, I was working like 11 hour days and coming home with a fiance slash wife at the time. Um, and the dog coming home was before we had gates, but you know, just one dog, uh, you know, I'm gone. So, so many hours out of the day to come home and sit down and try to record a podcast didn't go over too well, you know? Um, and so it's, uh, I get it, man. Time management fucking sucks. And when you're doing this stuff as a hobby and it becomes stressful or not fun anymore, that's when it's, uh, you know, step back for a bit. And I've done it before too, where, uh, I've, I've even just stepped back from the podcast cause you get stressed out. And I've, when I came back after doing the, uh, five month off or excuse me, five months off, that was one of the things I really did. I was like, I'm going to make sure I don't try to put pressure on myself. Cause it's going to, when you when you start doing that, um, you know obviously you want to make good content, but you want to, you don't want to overstress yourself of something that's just a hobby. You know me, Darren, and and Joe uh, don't we don't. It's not like we're we're spitting chiclets. We're not quitting our day jobs to go uh, go do the podcast. And so you know when you have a day job and you work a nine to five or whatever the case is. Like I said, I was doing work for um, we were renovating a government building, and I was running that job. And man, it was like eleven hour days, and it was rough. So. Uh, coming home to do a podcast just wasn't in the cards, so I get it. But best of luck to Joe and whatever his uh, his endeavors uh, bring him. But I hope to hear Joe back in the near future. Uh, you know, if he wants to take a couple months off, totally get it. Uh, if this was truly the last episode we ever hear from Joe, it was a phenomenal run, and I encourage you guys to please go check out those interviews he's had. Uh, phenomenal interviews. He's got like a fucking sixteen part saga with Trevor Gillies. Uh, you know, Dean Ewan, Kerry Clark, Ken Belanger. Uh, it's the the list goes on. It's it's really crazy to see how many guys he's actually interviewed. Um, when he did the list, I think he even interviewed Ross Olson for you ECHL cats that are tuned in. He interviewed Ross Olson a while back. I'm trying to think who else. Trevor Steinberg. It's insane. So you know, Joe, thank you for providing us with uh, a lot of entertainment and um, doing that doing a hell of a job, man. Because people. You can. I've heard it before where guys get players on and the interviews aren't good. And I'm not trying to sit there and say I'm the best interviewer. You know, me, Darren, and Joe are the end all be all of interviewers. Nobody does it better. I'm not saying that, but you can, you can tell when people don't do research on a guest and when you know they do it by the seat of their pants and they do a quick little Wikipedia lookup on the guy and um, you know that's that like I there was times where man I, I I did over like an hour and a half two hours of research on a guy just going through uh their fight card looking through their fights and looking at footage and I know Darren and Joe have both done the same thing I mean it's a fucking grind I don't think people realize that and I, I you know um that to the guy that messaged Darren before uh saying oh your content has been different you don't interview as many players you believe me uh, if it weren't for these ECHL guys and me kind of focusing on the ECHL for a bit, I wouldn't have any fucking guests on. It's been in, it's been like trying to reach the Pope with these guys. Um, so for those that do take the time out, like Anthony Collins and Chris Ordebody, and hopefully I'm interviewing another guy this co- coming this Wednesday, it's going to be a lot of ECHL guys. And I think it's a fresh take on the on the role of, of fighting in hockey because you get to kind of hear a current take. So I, I've actually really enjoyed it. But if it weren't for these guys, I wouldn't I wouldn't have any interviews. Um, so I don't I don't think people truly realize the grind that goes into this because you get people well and I'm not even kidding why don't you get Ryan Reeves on it's like well fuck dude how the hell am I gonna get Ryan do you have his number no okay well then how am I gonna reach him right and I don't mean to sound rude but it's like dude it's 
it's fucking tough. It's tough trying to get interviews and grinding it out like this. Um, it's fun. It's rewarding. But at the same time, you can put a lot of stress on yourself and you get, you get kind of tired. You get burnt out doing it. It's not even stress. You almost more so get pissed off. I can, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had guys come on and say, uh, yeah, I'd love to do the podcast. It'd be great. Anytime, bro. Just let me know. And you message them back, hear nothing, hear nothing. And then they're still posting on Facebook, doing whatever they read your messages and they ghost you. It's like, man, what the fuck am I doing here? Right. So, uh, no, it's, um, it's tough. It really is. And I mean, even just like the shit, even the shit on the YouTube channel, uh, I had some dude that fucking got mad at me because I didn't post a fight fast enough. And I'm like, I'm putting this shit up for free and I'm not doing anything groundbreaking. I'm literally clipping the stuff from flow sports and the ECHL and uploading it to YouTube. Nothing stopping anybody else from doing it. I don't have a monopoly on the ECHL fights. It's just nobody else was posting it. So I decided to start posting it and say, what the hell? We'll see what happens. Um, and, you know, he gets mad. Oh, you only post Florida content. Well, those are the games I watch, man. Do you not know how much time it would take to sit there and go through the fucking, let's say you wanted to, well, you wanted to see some clips from the Toledo wheeling game. Um, I don't know, back in February or some shit. It's like, you know, to get clips from games, I literally have to go through and watch the game in its entirety and try to clip stuff. That's the whole reason I post Florida shit. I'm watching the Florida Everblades game. So if I see something in the game, whether it's a scrum, a hit versus Florida, um, or, a you know, Florida making a hit, I've posted some from Jacksonville. Uh, I've posted, because uh, I think it was from one of the series or right before the playoffs started. That's just the shit I see, and I get people are like, ooh, you're just a Florida homer. I mean, I guess, sure, if you want to call me that, it's just because it's the fucking game I watch, and this is my time This is time out of my day I'm taking to sit there and post the clip. And I'm not saying it's nothing, like I said, it's not groundbreaking. I'm just, I'm clipping it from Flow Sports. It's not like it's a grueling process, but at the same time, to actually go through when there's fights going on, um, and there's other stuff going on. It takes priority than just, uh, sit down and watch the fucking Toledo versus Wheeling game for an hour and a half, two hours. You know, I got a wife to attend to. I got, we got two dogs now. So, uh, I think his name was Zachary getting mad at me and, oh, you're just a Nuber homer and you just love Kyle Nuber so much. It's like, well, yeah, sure. I'm a Nuber fan, but as I've mentioned before, I've had plenty of guys on who fought Kyle Nuber. I posted, it's like, you only post Florida videos. Well, I have 300 something videos up. So you're telling me Florida fought 300 times. Is that what you're getting at here? So, um, I don't know. It, was, it really pissed me off at first, actually, because I was just like, what the fuck? But then there's like, no matter what you do, people are going to be fucking stupid. So it is what it is. But, uh, you know, Zach, I just, I, I, if you're listening for by the off chance, I just hope you understand how much you know, time it actually takes. If you have time to post other clips, by all means, dude, go right on ahead. Be my guest. Like I said, I don't, I even told you, I don't have a monopoly on this stuff. So, um, nothing stopping you from doing the same thing of clipping stuff that you want to be posted on YouTube. So, um, but yet there you are, you didn't like, you hated it so much, but you're still subscribed to the channel. So what does that tell you? Um, but anyways, guys, I've gone on long enough. Uh, sorry to get kind of bitchy and moany at the end here, but, um, I encourage you to please rate and review the podcast, uh, on, both Spotify and iTunes, the rating system just came out for Spotify. So I think you rate it by stars and then same thing on Apple podcast, because actually like a uh, writer review. So if you enjoy the show, please do me a favor, write a review, uh, give it five stars, four stars, whatever you think the star or the, whatever you think the stars deserve, whatever you think the, uh, the show deserves. I've had one star reviews, you know, it all, it all happens. You're never going to make everybody happy. Like I said, no, the sooner you realize that the more, the, the easier going it is. Right. So, um, but I encourage you to follow the podcast on, uh, you know, Spotify, iTunes, 
Uh, of course, if you're probably if you're listening to this in the audio format, you probably already follow it on one of those. But if you're listening, oh well, I guess this this intro technically isn't on YouTube, so never mind. Um, but yeah, so you can actually just make sure you subscribe to it. We'll put it that way. Make sure you download the episodes um, and you stay up to date with everything. Go check out the Five for Fighting podcast YouTube channel. I upload all the ECHL fights, some scrums that happen, especially in the playoffs. You know, we're down to two here. Florida's up two zero on Toledo, so we'll see if they can close it out at home. Uh, it'd be pretty cool. I, I would love to try to take a trip down there, but I just don't think it's in the cards. Unfortunately, I was re- I was really going to try to, but um, driving to driving to Florida on a weekend just doesn't sound fun. That's like nine hours, and so that'd be like eighteen hours total back and forth. That just doesn't sound fun. Um, so go check out the Pods YouTube channel. Go check out the uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. You just search Five for Fighting Podcast, and everything will come up. Uh, so sorry for talking to you guys ears off for 15 minutes here, but we will pass it over to the main event, the guy you came to actually listen to, and that's Chris Ordebody. Hope you guys enjoy it. Catch you guys next week. Thanks, everyone. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, folks, here today we have a guy who I was lucky enough to see him fight Nico Blatchman out in Estero, Florida, and he's actually a former teammate of the most recent guest, Anthony Collins. He's up and coming. This is his first year pro in the ECHL, and that is Chris Ordebody. Chris, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Really, uh, really happy that you had me on. Um, and like you said, like following up Kali is uh, is a big honor. Kali was unreal for me to like, just as a mentor and to kind of show me the ropes in my first year in the league. It was unreal to have him on uh, as a teammate. So to follow him up is uh, big shoes to fill. But I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fuck Collins was. He was awesome, man. He's a great interview and uh, great dude. I was, I was glad I was able to see both of you guys play. Um, like I said, it was, I think like one of the first games that you guys played when you out were at, uh, without with Norfolk because they, had, I think Florida played Jacksonville once and then it went straight to the Norfolk series. And that was probably, those were some of the best battles. You guys had some wars with Florida, uh, oh, yeah. in the series. It was a For good time. Sure. Yeah. Like we, uh, we actually did really well against Florida. Um, we, I w- well, as a team, we started the year really hot. Like, uh, I think it's easy to forget that because obviously, things didn't work out as well as, as how things started. But like we, uh, we went down on that road trip and we won two out of the three games, I think. Um, so, um, yeah, like we definitely did have some good battles with Florida. They're a great team. Like it's no surprise to me that they're in the finals right now. Oh yeah. That's why I'm excited to start, uh, you know, starts tonight finals, um, for folks list. I know everybody's probably focused on the Stanley cup, but, uh, for me, the Kelly Cup is where I'll be watching. I'm going to have – I think I'll have it on the big TV because my wife wants to watch the Lightning game, but I'll have the iPad just sitting in my lap watching the Kelly Cup finals between Florida and Toledo. <laughs> um, yeah. So when did you start – when did you grow up uh, – Did you, like, you know, when you grew up, did you start playing hockey at a young age or did, were you kind of a late bloomer? Yeah, like, actually, uh, I, I did start playing uh, pretty young. Uh, funny enough, my my brother was actually uh, was actually into figure skating when he was younger, so – I was always around the rink and um, I, uh, I was at the rink, I was watching him, I was learning how to skate, uh, but I saw a, uh, what must have been like a high school hockey game. And um, I, I saw the high school hockey game and uh, I was super, super young at the time. And I must have been like three or four years old. And I just saw like the speed of the game. I saw someone get shacked into the boards right in front of me. <laughs> like I saw like the, you know, like what seemed like, I mean, to me, like it seemed like the NHL, like it's just seemed so fast and physical and whatever. And I just saw that and I was like, holy cow. Like I, I hope, I hope, uh, you know, maybe I could be good at this one day. And I kind of like begged my parents to, to try it. And, and yeah, but um, yeah, after, after doing that, I kind of never looked back. 
Right on, man. Well, you actually ended up in the AJHL. You know, how did that kind of come about for you? Because you were born in the U.S., correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, th- that that was like, uh, so I played in the Atlantic Junior Hockey League, which was like, uh, there was a team actually in D.C., not like not gotcha. the Alberta. Right, yep. Yeah. Sorry, I yeah, should have so, specified uh, that for folks. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the US uh, most of the time, in, like you say that AJ, you think of the Alberta League. Right. But no, uh, yeah, I played in the Atlantic uh, Junior Hockey League. Um, there was a team um, like that played out of a rink that was relatively close. Like gro- growing up in DC, there weren't like all the rinks were like kind of a drive, but um, this rink was pretty close where they had that team. And I started playing junior hockey like fairly young. Like I started playing like basically junior C hockey. Right. Uh, and um, there was the the team that I really wanted to play for was the junior nationals, and they we're like in the Atlantic junior hockey league. And uh, I played like a couple years of like junior C junior B, and then eventually worked my way up and played in that league for a couple years. And then that league actually became the EHL. So I played there when it was, um, when it was the EHL as well. Right on. Uh, yeah. So, you know, growing up, you said you, you kind of like the hitting and stuff, the physicality kind of drew you into the game. Did you ever try to emulate that? when you, when you kind of, I guess when you were starting to allow to be able to check, um, at a certain age, did you start emulating that? Because I see, well, I got to see shades of it this year, like I said, and then, but once you went to the North division, it's a little, I don't think it's quite as rough as the the South division was, but I, you know, you still had a couple fights up there too, but, um, you know, did you start kind of really adapting that into your game at a younger age or did it kind of come a little bit later for you? Yeah, for sure. I think there's a couple things like, uh, first of all, there's a definitely a really big uh, turning point, I think, for a lot of players when checking is introduced. And I was never like, I would say the most gifted hockey player by any means. But when checking was introduced, I found like, this was something that I was good at, because I was always like the bigger kid, you know, Um, and, and when, when checking was introduced, I found like, okay, guys, I remember there was this one drill like uh, where like it was like the first practice when uh, when hitting was introduced and I remember like getting the puck and it was like a, just a simple like two on two drill but like with an emphasis of like checking because they had just introduced the right. checking and like a kid tries to hit me and I just like run him over and plow to the net and I think like <laughs> wow like the game's easier now that like everyone's going for the body instead of the puck right and then like. Uh, I remember like we, it was like a similar experience. We used to do this drill, like I don't think they do it anymore, but called the gauntlet where basically you would just like skate along the boards and like yeah. player after player would like smash into you. And like, I remember just loving that because I would just go in and just like be counter hitting every kid and just be like a wrecking ball through that. And that was like the, my, that was like the best feeling. And like, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like that first time that I saw the game, like I just saw like, a lot of speed and guys running into each other and like that's what i was like wow that's so cool so like when i was finally able to do that like it got me going and like yeah like this is awesome <laughs> so yeah. right on yeah um it's funny it's it's you know the physicality will always draw people in no matter what i think you know no matter what era you're in you know you see the hits you see the fights everybody gets drawn in and yeah. it's just uh it's it's great and that's why i love the echl this year because this was my first year really following the echl yeah. um and, you know, it was a little bit more physical. I grew up with minor pro hockey. You know, the Mallards, excuse me, wearing the Mallard jersey. That's what I grew up watching was them. Yeah. And um, 
that's what always kind of drew me in. I still remember like the, I'm not even kidding. The very first video I ever looked up on YouTube was it was like a hockey fight video and it had some metal music and the first fight was like Tasker versus Sen going out at center ice and it's just like that's like the first YouTube video I ever looked up when I was younger. Um, so was it was it Sen in the video? Oh yeah, it was Tasker and Sen. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Center, uh, uh, his son Gunner is actually a buddy of mine. He doesn't play anymore. But, oh really? Like, yeah, yeah, because his dad is a legend, though. So that's oh, hilarious yeah. that you say that. Yeah, yeah. I actually I interviewed Ken Tasker. Oh man, probably like a year and a half ago. And like the backstory leading up to that fight is is tremendous. It's on. I think it's on my YouTube channel somewhere. It's in yeah. the archives now. Everybody's all focused on the fight videos I post now. But I do have like certain clips of cert- of like from interviews and like the backgrounds on fights and stuff. So that's on there. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh yeah, just legendary. I mean, that's it, it's up there. It's got to be one of the best hockey fights of all time, if not the best one. It's just yeah. unreal. And he a Tasker when he's talking about, it, he's like, he's like, I'm hitting this dude as hard as I can, and he's not sitting there. He's like, he's not budging. It's like hitting a fucking post. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, San is crazy. Like, if you look up his stat lines, I don't want to say it and, and get it wrong, but like his stat lines are oh, some yeah. of the most impressive things uh, you, you'll see. Like, I think I don't want to say it wrong, but like he was like had one year where it's like well over a point per game i want to say he had 50 goals but i may not i'm that may be like an exaggeration uh but i think he had like 300 or 400 penalty minutes and a 50 goal season or something just so yeah the craziest season that i've seen for yeah and i I posted this a while back and i always forget about it too yeah it was 95 96 with richmond 507 penalty minutes and 49 points just fucking weird man it's that's 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 in 50 57 games is what it was man that's like video game numbers you know it's like something you see in like nhl 22 or something yeah like i like i can't even imagine what that looks like because that is such an outrageous number of penalty minutes and number of points it's like how do you balance like being in the box that much and being able to put up that many points like exactly oh 100 yeah. yeah now it's like i was even surprised to see 200 pims this year with uh, i think it was robido who had it out with kansas robido, city yeah. yeah i was surprised to even see 200 pims because it's just not heard of in hockey anymore especially with the echl's 10 fight limit um yeah but you know yeah that's those send numbers are nuts man um yeah so what you actually ended up playing college hockey though um and you yeah. went to university how was that for you um, that, that was an interesting experience. Like my college career definitely like, well, first of all, I feel like as a player, uh, like I'm definitely someone that took longer to develop than maybe most, but, but also like, I feel like, uh, like my college experience, like definitely like wasn't the best. Like I went to Lawrence university to start. Um, I didn't like get along great with the coach. Uh, I ended up playing 15 games, but very limited ice time and, you know, like not, not a lot of playing experience. Then I transferred to, uh, to Newman university. Uh, and, um, I ended up my sophomore year, not playing like a single game. Like the coach just had me in the stands every single game, um, which was like the most frustrating experience of all time, because like, I knew like from very early on, I just wanted to be a hockey player right going to school going to college was like a way for that end right um so that coach ended up uh getting fired and uh we got a new coach um and that coach like so my junior senior year i started to play a lot more and, and get more experience but i think like the college game like i feel like i'm more effective as a pro maybe than than in in the college game um you know, but I think definitely I, I was someone that's very late to develop and 
it took me a while to kind of figure out uh, exactly how I could really uh, have the game that, you know, that, that can really translate and be valuable. Absolutely. And one question I got to ask you too, and I, I've, I always ask this if I see people who played university hockey with guys I've interviewed, um, did you ever find that with the full cages and, you know, the no fights that there was a lot of stick work at all? I've gotten for the most part that people seem to, you know, say that there was a lot more stick work in college yeah. hockey than there would have been in the pros because there's no, there, there's no fighting and it's all cages in in uh, college hockey. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's definitely, I think there is, I think you're right. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that it's just, the game is played very differently because right. uh, especially like at the D3 level, like we only play like 20 games. So it's like a real sprint. So right. it's like, um, you know, the games are very intense. Every game like really matters in terms of like, going forward uh like you know for your postseason or, or whatever um and um that kind of ramps up the intensity of each game and then also at the d3 level you don't have like a lot of that top end skill that maybe division one has so every game like it definitely i would say is a more physical style but it also like the pace sometimes can be like a little bit frenetic and it can be a little bit chaotic so both with the stick work and just being uh, pretty physical and just kind of chaotic, just like a sprint with with fewer, I mean, fewer guys with really that high-end skill. Not to say that it isn't there. Like, I think Division three college hockey is definitely very underrated. There are some definite diamonds in the rough for sure. But just, uh, I would say, in general, that's kind of that's kind of how it is. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I've also, always... like, the other thing, sorry. Like, oh, no, go like, ahead. You're you're you're, prote- you're you're practicing all week for two games over the weekend, right? Rather than like, like, like in pro, like you you play Wednesday, Fridays, Saturday is typical, yeah. or sometimes even more games in there. So, that, yeah, I've always said, regardless if it's D D one college or D three college, you got to be good to play hockey for a school. It yeah. it doesn't matter, you know. And you know, I think people don't grasp that on Twitter or Facebook or whatever they, Oh, like, you know, Oh, you only played in the ECHL. Oh yeah. Only the ECHL. It's just the, you know, the third best league in the, in North America. Yeah. It's only ECHL. Meanwhile, they got yeah. a, my buddy Darren. I always joke. It's like, you know, it's coming from Mike, the Costco forklift operator. who has got to go play against Jiffy Lube at 10 PM on <laughs> the North rank or something like that. So it's just funny to see, see how that goes. But like you said, there's definitely some, some solid players out in, um, out in like D three college or whatever the case is, even like junior B or something like that up in Canada. Um, yeah. For so sure. it always interests me and, you know, college hockey, something I, I just, I've never really followed. So I'm always curious to see um, what, what guys say about their experience playing college. But um, so you actually ended up going pro and you played two oh. games for Maine. How was that? Yeah. And how, how did you actually end up going to uh, get, getting those two games at Maine for your first year? Yeah, so um, that was actually uh, that was actually an awesome experience for me. Um, I, um, as I said earlier, like I knew I always wanted to play pro after. And there was a coach that I was working with. He's the he was the skating coach for the Flyers, uh, Slava Kuznetsov. He was like unbelievable for me. He, like completely changed my game. He like made me so much of a better player when I was in uh, in college. He like really really helped me out huge time. And I would work with him. I would get up in the morning, like before uh, before practice or like before uh, class and go skate with him. And then like, I would go to class and then have practice or whatever. Like I was just always working uh, to try to like get my game better. Cause as I said, like, I felt like I was late to develop and I really had that goal. So 
he actually helped me out. He uh, knew um, Danny Breer, who was the oh nice, um, and that was kind of like the Flyers connection there. So he knew Danny Breer, who was the GM at the time. I'm not sure whether he still is of Maine, and um, it was in that kind of that that good little window where teams are looking to get guys from college, like kind of towards the end of the season. And yeah. I was able to to go there and and get some games. It was actually funny. Our two, the two games I played in was both against. Uh, south carolina oh there you go so i don't know if you remember back then but josh gratton was on that team oh was he really yeah so there's some funny stories of like 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 playing against gratton because he was he's he's one of the toughest ever and he was just built different oh god yeah like you're not gonna like south carolina has had some toughness on their teams because they had they signed gratton when gratton was kind of you know winding down his career then they signed gillies when Gillies yeah. is on his, and Gillies is one of the best. I I'm a huge Trevor Gillies fan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Un, unreal. But it, it was funny playing against um, play playing against Grattan because our team was like kind of like a little bit. I, like I don't want to throw us under the bus, but we we're definitely we didn't have anyone like Josh. Grattan. There, yeah, I was about to say there's no one taking on Josh Grattan. <laughs> yeah. So, but but we were we were a team that like we would like chirp from the bench like all game long, but Grattan would do this thing. It was legendary. It was unbelievable. He would skate like his hip literally right against our boards. And he would turn uh, as he was going to the bench, like, you know, like after a whistle on a line change, hip literally right against our bench. And he would make eye contact with each one of the guys on our bench and look at us and just smirk. And our bench, like our mouths were just quiet because no one wanted to go home. <laughs> and That's he would great. just smirk at the whole bench. It was unbelievable. And even our coaches, we had a, a coach there. Uh, and even he, you know, which is like not uncommon for the league, would like to kind of give it to guys and chirp at guys. But even our coach would be quiet, not not saying saying anything. But yeah, it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Also, like there was one shift where uh, it's funny. Like if you could pull, pull up the video, like I don't know, it's probably lost to to time. But uh, like I get the puck and I'm just driving the net and I kind of run the goalie. I end up taking a penalty for it. Um, and um, and if you see, like I knew Cratton was on the ice. So if you see, like my hands come up, my stick is like this because I'm ready just to get like <laughs> be jumped on. And I'm thinking, like, here we go. Like, this is going to be my first one. But I look up, and it's a delayed penalty. And somehow the puck is on Gratton's stick, and he's skating down the other way. And I was just, like, kind of dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was kind of that was kind of funny. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to love Josh Gratton. That's, that's, <laughs> that's fucking great. So, yeah, yeah, but, well, you know, I'll, I'll ask you this because I, I, people don't realize how much of a deterrent that could be on the ice. But like you said, when Josh Gratton came around, you guys uh, kind of got a little quiet on the bench because you don't want to rile that up. And it's, you know, yeah. you've heard, I've heard of coaches, um, you know, when I interview you guys and they talk about like, hey, like so-and-so, let's say, you know, for example, they got Tony Twist out there. Don't do anything yeah. to fucking piss him off. Like, just don't do it. So would yeah. you, that's still effective in hockey today, would you say? Yeah, for sure. And that's something that, you know, as I've kind of matured and kind of figured out what my role is going to be and also gotten better at that component of the game, like that's something, you know, where where I feel like maybe I don't have the respect that someone like Josh Gratton or Tony Twist does, but like people like maybe like, you know, like, okay, like Ordo, like he, you know, he's pretty tough, like he'll go, yeah, like whatever. Like that's something that like I try to do is like try to create space for other guys by letting them know like, hey, like, 
like we had a couple younger in, in Worcester, like we had a couple younger, more skilled guys that weren't tough than a lot of, a lot of teams would try to bully. And like I would, when I was in, cause I was kind of in and out of the lineup when I was in the lineup, I would make it very clear, like, Hey, like that's not going to happen tonight. Or, otherwise you're going to have to, you know, answer the bell or like uh, in games where like, maybe like if there's someone else pretty tough on the team, um, you know, that maybe wouldn't have that sort of respect for me that, that they would do whatever they want anyways, then maybe I can toss the target on my back by running around and, you know, getting in their face and challenging them. So I think like that ability to create space for other guys by, um, by kind of having that presence is, is definitely still very, very valuable in the game. And I think like, if you look at like the best teams in the league, like they have a guy like that you know right yeah like you look even just like in the south they had you know you got kyle newber in florida you got travis howe in jacksonville the thrower brothers out in atlanta i love the thrower brothers too fucking great dudes um and i mean even even norfolk you guys had yourself and anthony collins you know um which we'll get to norfolk in a second because i i I gotta ask you about a couple guys there of course um yeah but so you were, you know, you're kind of talking about how it's kind of a deterrent and maybe taking a target off your teammates back and stuff. But do you feel that the 10 fight rule kind of hinders that a little bit once you get to a certain point? Yeah, like I think like actually like what what Kali said um, was really, really spot on in the last interview that, that you did with him. I, I think that it's a uh, I think it's a problem for a couple of reasons. Um I think all the reasons that he touched on were, were, were right there, but, but if you're getting close to that limit, like you then have to think instead of just being able to react, like if someone does something dumb, like you have to like make decision, like, is this worth me getting fined and suspended or not rather than just being able to play and react. Right. So that's a problem. I, I think, I think also like maybe you guys, um, would take advantage of some other guys. If you know, like this guy's approaching his limit, right? Like, like he may not go me so that right so then that whole part of that deterrent uh goes down a little bit and then the last side of uh last side of it is like at the end of the day this is an entertainment business and like there are a lot of casual hockey fans that love the game because they love the fighting so if you limit that like i do uh, like i don't think that we're really out of risk of getting to the point where the league is just filled with goons because right the teams are using this as to develop prospects yeah. and 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 this that's just not how the game is anymore so i don't really think that's realistic so i do think that it's it's an unnecessary rule and that it it makes it the job for guys like me a lot harder and uh and penalizes guys like guys like me uh unnecessarily and um and it's just probably not great for this, for the sport and for the league. Also, I think Holly made this point too. Like we pride ourselves on uh, kind of basing our, ourselves after the NHL and the AHL. Oh, well, after the NHL and, and being that system and, and they don't have that rule in the NHL. Right. So it's like, why should we have it? You know? And my thing is too, it's like, you know, the, the I get what the, like, 
so I'm not oblivious to the league wanting to implement the rule. I get it because it's it's yeah it's it's, it's all visual and with with head injuries and stuff that everybody everybody knows the risk now though that's my thing yeah it was like the same thing with the military I joined the military I knew the risk going in thankfully nothing yeah. ever happened but it was the same 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 concept um, yeah but you know it, it's like the only the, the 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 i think it was Nick Delorier or the one dude Ginaret Ginarot i can i can't remember i don't watch the nhl too much but the guy from nashville the the league leader in the nhl i, I want to say it was like 13 or 14 fights so it's not like it's an epidemic where you're getting like oh. the paul laws back in the day getting 30 something fights or yeah. uh, this isn't like the lnh or nothing so i it's like it's almost in there but it doesn't really need to be in there cuz i don't even uh, unless you get like the one-off guys, like the Robodos or like the the Blashmans, where they'll just go anybody. I mean, yeah. then you might get the twenty fights, but I still don't even even twenty fights in a seventy-two game season really isn't that much. Yeah, isn't isn't crazy? And at the end of the day, like we are in control. Like we we decide when we want to go or not. Like it's right. very rare that that we get jumped. Like that doesn't really happen. I think the only argument for the the uh for that rule is that i could see how they would want to avoid having one heavy on one team and one heavy on another team and all that they do is like off of the draw they go each other for pure entertainment value and for nothing else uh and just for the sake of you know like a stage fight that's right. just for the sake of fighting I don't think that's realistic to happen these days anymore. I don't think that there's too many guys like that out no, there. You get the I one off, like, but yeah, like yeah. yeah, we had like you know the, the Travis Howe and the Kyle Newber fight. Yeah, it's, you're setting the tone. I get it, but it wasn't like it was out of control. They only fought four times this year. They, yes. they only had four yeah. fights together, so it's not like it was that crazy. And uh, I think it was Sean Allen and Darian Scao out out there in the West. I think they went a couple times this year. I could be wrong. But it's yeah. like I said, it's not. It's not like it's out of control. So it's almost like it just. It's just unnecessary to me. It doesn't need to be yeah. there because even at the time um, when the rule was implemented, and I forget I was looking into it, but the it wasn't like anything crazy what the league leader had. But everything's already been cut off at junior. Like the to get a, a guy like yourself even wanting to embrace the role, or like the Nico Blashmans, or um, you know like Austin Crosley coming up. It's yeah. not. It's like the, the. It's rare. It's not like there's you know 40 guys lining up at a training camp to just start going it's yeah. it's just like i don't know it's just an unnecessary rule to me yeah yeah completely like um yeah like at training camp for norfolk it was me and collie and that was it right you know like uh like there are other guys that that will go occasionally but it was just like the guys where it's just like that's kind of like the guys where it's clear that that will be part of their game and that will be part of their role like it was two you know yeah so well, yeah, you know, I, speak, speaking of Norfolk, we'll, we'll, set, we'll change the tone here, but you actually ended up in Norfolk training camp, as you just mentioned, uh, yeah. coming from Maine, and you had a couple games out in the SPHL. But how was it uh, getting into Norfolk? Oh, so that's actually a really funny story. So, um, so over COVID, I didn't play at all. And, um, and um, I have really good buddy Kyle Rhodes who had played in the league for a while and he uh we were like training together and um and he ended up signing with Norfolk and um 
and he said, you know, hey, like his uh, stepdad is from Virginia Beach. So he has like ties to like Virginia Beach. So not far from Norfolk. That's actually where we live. Um, all the players live in Virginia Beach. So we went down there early because uh, he said, hey, why don't you come down? I'm heading down there early. Uh, I'm going to be living at the beach. Like, why don't you come down and um, and see what happens? Like, we're going to have some skates. Because at this point, I had literally nothing. I called every single SP team. I called every single, like, East Coast number I could get a ha my hands on. No one would even call me back. <laughs> so I go down there, and uh, I start skating. It was, like, me, Collie, uh, uh, Kyle Rhodes, um, Mackenzie Dwyer, and, and Ryan McGinnis, the general manager, were all down there. And... Um, and I was kind of like talking to Ryan and Kali and they were both asking, so, Hey, what's your situation, whatever. And at first they were saying, they watched me play and they're like, yeah, you can play. Like, um, they're like, well, we can't make any promises of any kind, but like maybe Kali can help you find like an SP team. So I was like, yeah, that would be great. Like I'm just wanting to play. And so Kali was like, he was unbelievable. He called uh, like an SP team gets me set up. Like I end up signing like a tryout agreement in the SP and I'm like, I was like pretty, pretty happy about that. Um, and then keep practicing whatever uh, with those guys down there. Then Ryan McGinnis says, Hey, like, you know what? Like, if you want, like, we'll give you a tryout. So like, I, I ended up like just with no expectations of making it going into the, the camp and, and having a good tryout. And I guess was able to kind of show my kind of my style. And I was actually panicking because, uh, um, to make the team, we didn't have any, any preseason games, like all the other teams. So what we had was a three on three game and like three on three big ice is not my oh, style. Shit. I like to <laughs> run around and hit and whatever. But <laughs> so I, I told Rod beforehand, like, our that's our head coach, Rod Taylor. I was like, Hey Rod, like, uh, I want to let you know that like, um, this really isn't my style, but I'm going to give it my all. And like, I'm going to try to show you what I can do. So I ended up going out there and 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 just running around. Uh, I I crushed Noah Noah Corson like with his head down and just ran him over. Uh, you know, who's like a real buddy of mine. I love Corson, but but just ran him over. I caught uh, caught uh, uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Cook, a defenseman, with his head down. Ran him over, and it was just really just like running around, hitting, playing physical. I had a couple goals, and um, that ended up being being good enough to uh to be able to stick so hell yeah uh, yeah <laughs> that's yeah, awesome so, uh yeah. well you brought him up earlier but you know did did anthony collins give you did he give you any fight pointers at all by any chance yeah he did i'm actually glad that you asked me that so actually before uh training camp even starts we went into the scope that's that's our, the arena that we play at and uh he got um he, he got a couple of old jerseys out and there, and he got some uh, some boxing mitts and some some hand pads and uh, and he uh, we were pra practicing me Kyle and him were practicing uh, fighting and he was showing drills showing us good grabs showing us techniques showing us times to like look for the punch how to stay safe like going through and, and giving us all this stuff which was unbelievable of him because he could have easily said you know hey like this guy like. I know that this is going to be part of his game, but like, this is my game. Like, you know, like, you know, for, like right. figure out on his own, but he wasn't at all like that before I'd even made the team. He was like already showing me pointers and, and, and giving me all of his experience. So I really owe like a lot 
uh, to Kali for being such a good teammate and, and being such a good, generous guy with his time and, you know, and showing me the ropes kind of early. That was, that was unbelievable. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I always love hearing about uh, different, cause it's like, it's it's there's no other way to really train for a hockey fight other than on the ice you could do it whatever you want off the ice but it's it's yeah. not going to quite replicate it so i'm always curious to see what kind of drills people do because i remember there was stories of doug smith when he was a coach for providence literally brought in just to be a fight coach and they'd hang yeah. uh they'd hang the heavy bag from the the scoreboard at the at center ice and start throwing hands at it at center ice so um, yeah. i'm always curious to see what goes down like off the ice because it's um yeah it's such a unique aspect to the game that i, I like like I said, you can replicate it as much as you want off the ice, but until you're actually doing it on the ice, I feel like it's, it just can't be replicated. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I had done a lot of work off the ice as well. Um, I had uh, done some boxing and some kind of mixed martial arts training. Actually, a really good buddy of mine um, is a uh, is a uh, mixed martial art fighter. He plays or he fights in like the, the minor leagues. It's called all Art of War Cage Fighting. Um, and like, he's a, a pro fighter and, and he taught me a lot. I spent like a lot of the time during COVID just working with him and he was teaching me, you know, a lot of stuff on, you know, different grabs and how to throw a punch properly. And, you know, a lot of different, uh, different stuff like that, like how to manipulate weight in, in the grab and a bunch of different stuff like that. A lot of different techniques. Um, but still like Kali was awesome at kind of taking that knowledge that I had and obviously all of his experience and saying like, yeah, this is how this works on the ice. Cause it is a way, way different experience, you know? Yeah, so, for sure. Um, yeah. well, you also brought him up too, and I got to ask you about him. Absolute fucking pest on the ice. And I love every second of it. And you already know who I'm talking about, but I, I always bring up the story cause it was my first, my wife and I's first Everblades game. And she's like, I just, I hate this fucking chorus guy. He's just running around <laughs> doing whatever. And I'm over here. I'm loving it. Cause I'm just here to see some good hockey. Uh, yeah. obviously cheer for the Everblades, but at the end of the day, I, I just love good emotional hockey and Noah Corson can surely stir the pot for sure. But what was it like playing with him? Oh, it, it was awesome because uh, Corson, first of all, like he's a pest on the ice, but he is one of the best guys ever off the ice. Like yeah. he is a great, you know, great buddy. Um, and, and was an awesome teammate to have. Um, he's definitely a loose cannon, like in all situations, <laughs> like he's a little bit of a loose cannon and he wouldn't mind me saying that, but um, but yeah, he was an awesome guy. And, and one thing that I really respected about him on the ice was he would stand up to anyone and he would fight anyone. Like he didn't expect me or Kali to fight his battles for him at all. Like, I think, uh, I don't know uh, if you remember, but I think it was, uh, uh, I think it was like maybe the first or the second game in that Florida series. I know exactly what you're talking about. When Kearley laid that hit, that was Keirly one of the biggest hit. Biggest Milan, and it was a massive hit and yeah. Milan was actually out for uh for at least a month with a pretty bad concussion um Corson immediately yep. drops his glove and that is just a massive massive size difference and Corson like despite being so undersized oh he held his own in it really very much so held his own so I mean I, that's just the kind of guy he is he's fearless yeah he's he's an agitator for sure but he's a fearless and he doesn't expect other guys to fight his battles, you know, and he had a terrific year offensively too. I, I forget how many points that he had, but he had like, you know, like I want to say 
40 points or, or more. So. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. of a player. That's what you want. You want a guy who can score goals and get out of the opponent's skin. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember I brought the father-in-law to that game, and one, we were <laughs> – we were ripping beers in the parking lot before that game. So we were just amped. And, yeah. you know, see that hit was one of the biggest hits I've seen in open ice probably in the past 10 years. It was it was insane. And sure yes. as shit, like you said, Corson went right after Kearley. And he, he definitely held his own. Kearley came in early, sure, but then yeah. Corson just hung right in there and just gave it gave him some too. And it was a – I would call the fight probably a draw. And to, to come yeah. out with a draw out of that fight uh, with such a big size advantage is huge. So – I'm yeah, a huge. Sure. I know my wife might not be, but I'm a huge Noah Corson fan. Yeah, <laughs> I love for it. Sure. It's hard not to be, and I think all <laughs> the fans of Norfolk was were absolutely like the biggest Corson fans ever. Because how could you not be? Like I get it if you're the opposing team fan, but if you're the if he's on your home team, I think you can't help but love him. So. That's exactly it. He's like, oh, I, I hate him, but I wish he was on my team. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that game with Kearley and uh, Corson going at it. You actually went with Nico Blatchman that same game, and yeah, so that was yeah. your first. That was your first career pro fight, correct? Yeah, that was. Yeah. So how yeah. was it? What was what was the build up to that? Yeah, so I, I think Blatchman for sure is probably like up there with Corson and about being a good agitator. <laughs> like he was under all of our skins, and I think I think he even posted it like in warmups. Like he was just always patrolling the red line. And the game no, that was, was that was me. That was me who posted. I was like, I was taking all the video. I was like, because I haven't seen that in hockey for years because I, like, the yeah. NHL just isn't like that anymore. And I'm like, who the fuck is this Blatchman kid coming out of the QMJHL out of nowhere? But he's, I'm like, he's like, because I stood next to him. I met him at the uh, one of the fan club events, and I met him. Yeah. I said next to him, I'm like, fuck, I've got like probably a hundred pounds on him, and this dude is just yeah. sitting out there patrolling the ice. I'm like, this is unheard of. And so yeah. I, I caught yeah. it on video. Yeah. So I think the game before he was uh, just out for warmups. I think they scratched him out for yes. warmup. Um, but he was doing the same thing. So, so, uh, it, it's funny. Like if you watch that video, he's patrolling the, the red line again and Collie's going up and I'm like shoulder to shoulder with Collie. Cause I'm like, Hey, Collie, whatever you do, like, I want to learn the ropes. I'm going to be right there with you. So we're both, uh, like, uh, talking to him and, uh, and, you know, just chirping back and forth and, <laughs> You know, he's chirping me for my skating ability, which I hear all the time. And like, <laughs> and, and like we're, we're, we're chirping him. And, um, and like, he was just getting under all of the guy's skins, like, just like, just, you know, running his mouth being a past, you know, like, which is his job, like doing exactly his job. And, yep. you know, we, we would go uh, into the locker room and like, even like going into the locker room, like he'd be yelling down the hall at us. So he was just like <laughs> under all of our skins and, and like, we were even like distracted in the locker room. Like, you know, like the guys were like saying like, like, who's going to go that guy or whatever. And I was like, Hey, like, I want to go home, like Collie, like, if you want to go home, I get it, but I would love to go home. And, uh, Collie was like, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I'll, I'll let you have him. Uh, it, like take care of it in the first period. And if, if you don't, then, then he's mine. I said, okay, perfect. So it was funny. Like I had one shift and, um, he was getting off at the time. And this was like, like, I want to say like three minutes into the game, he was getting off and I'm like, stay out, stay out, stay out. And I like trying to egg him on. And, and he goes to in, in, in changes because it was that, like a whistle they were doing. Right. I was hoping like maybe I, like 
like that would obviously be a huge advantage to me like catching him when he was tired but like i was thinking like yeah like let's maybe you know trying to egg him on to to get that but that didn't end up happening so uh the next shift that i had we were yelling at each other on the bench i was yelling at I was saying like, Rod, put me out whenever Blashman's out. I was like yelling at Blashman. I was like, Blashman, tell your coach, like, whenever I'm out, you better, like, you better be out there. Like, whatever, <laughs> like, we were just like surfing on the bench. And so we, we were going out and uh, for, for one shift um, and, and we were both out there and it was a center, uh, center ice face yep. Um And, um, and so he lines up against Collie initially and I'm like, pest, uh, but I, I guess they didn't have it right. And it was a, uh, it was a TV timeout. So the ice crew came out. So, uh, so I like told Kali, Hey, like we're switching. I'm lining up next to Blashman and we're going to go right off the draw. And it was funny because all the guys on the team knew exactly what, what was going to happen. And they were all, I could feel like their attention of like, everyone was like kind of like, yeah. on our bounces tense being like, Oh, I wonder how Ordo was going to do. But like, I remember being like, feel like seeing how tense everyone else was and i was like guys relax like it's gonna be fine <laughs> and like i was like really relaxed and just like ready and like kind of like excited for it and uh yeah right after right off the jaw like Kali said um yeah like you know you have the reach advantage so like you know just might as well go in first and, and establish a good grab and then and then go at it and um uh, and that's kind of what i did and was able to to do pretty well he ends up switching left at one point and that kind of opened him up where i hit him with a pretty big right um actually like pretty hard and I, like if you notice like i paused for a second i couldn't believe that he stood up after that like he's just yeah. such a tough kid that he stood up and then um and hit him a couple more times like land where i felt like was pretty good a couple good ones and then like i got like a little bit tired at one point so i like grab up top and like, I use like my strength to like, kind of like pull up and pull down. So it kind of like comes like forward. Right. And then Ollie was unbelievable. So Collie was like my, uh, it was like my corner man through this whole thing. Like he was like coaching me. So it was awesome. So I, all I hear is Collie yelling at me. He says, Ordo, uppies, uppies. So I start like giving, <laughs> giving him uppies, like land a few and, uh, he like he throws one at like it was pretty good like he hits me like with a body shot i think and like i feel like it's not too bad like i got pads on and then like he hits me with one that i think was actually like one of his better shots and then like at the end like i just uh hit him right over the top and i end up falling on top of him but uh but yeah it was a pretty pretty uh pretty cool experience because there's a lot of anticipation to that fight and then it was pretty cool having collie kind of like coach me through my first one and just give me all you know give me all that advice was was pretty cool i, I don't know if you can see in the video but the ref is like waving off collie like collie get out of here yeah and collie was just like standing there like yelling instructions to me so exactly awesome. yeah he's sitting there i was uh because uh, like i said i was uh i was there for that game and i, I already knew something was going to happen so i already had the camera ready to go i think i was the first one to post it and then i posted the broadcast later that's what actually it was because of that fight is what got me to start doing doing the fight videos for the ECHL because yeah. I was like, I took the video. I was like, oh, man, well, I wonder if it's on the broadcast because I am I was new to Flow Sports or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, I could clip it and just put it on there. And so started doing that. But, yeah, like the build up to that, I would look over at my father-in-law. I'm like, watch him. I said, Blatchman's fucking going, this guy. Because I had no clue who you were. This is like, yeah, and I, yeah. all I knew all I knew on the team was pretty much Kyle Newber and Nico Blatchman is all I knew because I was just looking for the the PIM totals. And I had known about yeah. 
uh, Nico in preseason. And fucking A, man, you buckled him for a second. And he said it too. He's like, because uh, when I, I interviewed him after that, um, and I'm actually, I'm planning on getting him on again next week to talk, but yeah, he's like, he's like, he fucking buckled me. And he said, he, he ended up actually on the way to the box. He thanked the linesman for not jumping in so he can keep going. Yeah. But yeah, you, you tagged him, man. He's like, that was, that was a tough hit. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got him good there, but I was, I was really impressed that he was able to like stand up and, 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 and really hold his own and, and do pretty good after that. Uh, because yeah, I definitely tagged him pretty hard. There for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's, I think he really like, after like probably like the first three or four fights he had is when he really started finding his stride, I think, because yeah. that was his, and I, I, the, the balls on this kid too, to go out and do this. It's like, you know, to, cause he's taking on like Travis Howe and, sh- and this is his first Howe year. Pro and Uber, and, for sure. Yeah, these yeah. dudes are fucking killers. And so yeah. I'm like, this is nuts, man. And finally, like he started, and I think he had a pretty good fight against the, uh, one of the Leonard bros. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, um, yeah. Made a decent fight versus was, him. I think it was maybe Sean. I yeah. think it was. And that's when he, that's when he, he punched Corison for, cause Corison was getting in and beaking him and he ended up punching Corison, but you know, fucking way she goes sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah, that was a great fight. And I remember my father-in-law and I, we were just jacked to the gills after that. We were just, I mean, we were pumped, dude. That was a great fight. And yeah. I remember trying to post the video really quick. One, I was, uh, like I said, slightly under the influence and I'm sitting there, I'm like, how the fuck do I spell this guy's name? (laughs) Cause I was, I, I think if you look on like a couple of my videos that I have posted of you, I think I spell your name like three different ways on the last name, which I should (laughs) know better because I have a long last name myself. I I have my last name is 11 letters. And so people mess it up all the time, but yeah, I totally messed up your name, but I was like, Oh, I got to be watching for this order body guy now. So now I'm always checking game notes for, for your stuff after that fight. So it was, it was awesome. And and what a great first pro fight I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely felt really good to, to have that one under the belt. And it, it gave me a lot of confidence. And again, like, feel like i've been talking about it a lot but like it was really nice to have Polly right there you know just kind of like showing me the ropes just like he had from the very start so yeah absolutely um well you actually ended up in uh you know worcester at the end of the year here uh you know what yeah. was how how'd you uh how'd you like playing in worcester so i loved the coaching staff there uh i think the organization was good we had a group great group of guys it was really kind of disappointing um we ended up missing playoffs by like the slimmest of margins um and i really thought that we were going to be a playoff team it really seemed like we were going like in that direction and we we were holding on to third place in the division for a while um but there there's definitely a huge difference between the the um north division and the south um definitely the north i think there's many many fewer uh tough guys um but uh, i think like this definitely really good hockey i think there might be a little bit more skill um in in the north and and a little bit more speed um but it but it was a good experience especially when i first got there i was playing a ton um that was kind of like peak covid for 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 us so we had a bunch of guys up in the american league we're we're a dual affiliate um so we had a bunch of guys like up in in both springfield and uh and bridgeport and um and so when i got there right away i was i was playing a lot so instead of being like out there three or four shifts a game. Like I was playing like, you know, like, you know, like 15, 20 minutes of ice. And I was even like, you know, playing like a little bit of special teams too, which was, which was nice. But um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a little bit of a different game up there, but I, I definitely really, really enjoyed it. And I thought the coaching staff was unbelievable. Um, so, yeah. 
Awesome, man. Um, well, one one last guy I'll ask you about, and I'll let you get on your way here. Uh, but, you know, did you play – I know he's in – I think he went to Orlando, but Ross Olsen. Yeah, yeah. Ross How was Olsen. it with him? Yeah, so he he's awesome. Like, uh, he uh, he's an unbelievable guy, unbelievable teammate. He's one of our captains there um, and, and also really, really tough um, and just has a really long reach, and he uses that reach really effectively. Um, and he's another guy that he will go anyone. Like you saw, he, tra- uh, he yep. fought Travis Powell. Um, he got called up to Providence kind of after the season was over, and he had some good fights up in up in the American League um, against some really tough guys up there. Um, so, so he was great. Uh, I think, like, um, I don't want to take too much credit or, or anything, but I felt like, you know, sometimes I could take the pressure off of him a little bit when I was up there because it was like, you know, if there was ever something that happened, like, uh, you know, maybe I could deal with it or like I could be that presence or, or yeah. play that role a little bit. And I could let him focus on, on scoring and, and doing the things that he does offensively because he, I think he was like top in the league in terms of power play goals. And um, I think he had, I mean, it seemed like he was scoring every game. Like he just had a, a bunch of, a bunch of goals. So uh, I think like I, my, what I hope and, and I think I was able to do is like, I was able to give him a little bit of space and, and let him take the little bit of the pressure off from that side of things from when I was there and when I was out there with him. Um, but he was unbelievable. It was really a shame that we, we ended up trading him and then not uh, the player that we traded for ended up not reporting um he had like a wife and kids and i guess he just didn't want to come with that little of the season left so that was ended up being kind of a kind of of a a pretty big yeah yeah pretty pretty big blow to 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 us because uh he just was so valuable adding that element but also being able to score on the power play and just being a really really solid player that just plays the game the right way and and really contributes in 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 every aspect so yeah, for sure. I, I want to say I, I could be wrong, but I think my buddy, my buddy Joe, over the Coliseum Chronicles uh, podcast, I want to say he actually interviewed Ross like forever ago. Um, yeah. So I encourage people to go check that out. I could, like I said, I could be wrong, but I want to say I'm almost positive he did. Um, but you know, that being said, man. So what are your plans for this off season? What do you What do you got going on? Are you going to do some like off ice training and uh, yeah, you know, getting after it a bit? For sure. Yeah. Like I really try to take advantage of my off seasons. I think like it's a huge opportunity to like get better. So I I definitely want to get, you know, uh, bigger, faster, stronger in the gym. I want to be on the ice. I want to definitely work on my game, refine my game a little bit more. Um, uh, especially like I want to get better, like finishing around the net so that maybe I could, now that Ross is out, like I'm hoping to go back to Worcester obviously. So maybe like I could kind of have that sort of little bit of a role or at least maybe try to fill in his shoes a little bit. Uh, but then also, I, I also really want to work on, um, you know, the fighting side of the game too, so I can just continue to be better and um, refine my game there, you know, be, be able to be more comfortable in, in different situations, um, be able to work on my, my grab more, be able to, you know, like get better at switching and going lefty, just be more versatile and, and be a, just an overall better player and, and fighter and just 
just really make my game better in, in every way that I can. So just really try to take advantage of it. It's really my goal. So. For sure. It's, it's, I was going to say, it's a shame you're not still in Norfolk because, uh, where, where my wife and I moved up here in North Carolina, Virginia, the border is like an hour away. And so Norfolk's only like three hours away. So the plan is down the line, once the next season comes up, when, and when Florida plays, I think we're going to go take a road trip out there. And then uh, if Nico lands on a team, we'll end up going to, uh, if he's still in the south of it. Well, no, it just got changed because of the, the Savannah Ghost Pirates coming in. That's right. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So that we were, yeah, that's right. Fuck, it's not. I just thought about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, we were, our plan was before because until they they realigned the divisions for Savannah coming in, I suppose our plan was to go up to Norfolk and catch some games. But yeah. um, it looks like we might have to go into go down to Greenville or um, South Carolina for the Stingrays. So we'll yeah. see how that goes. But um, yeah, man, best of luck to you this this coming season. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast, and uh, also I appreciate you dropping dropping the gloves with Nico and going out of the center ice to give me and my father in law a. a good fucking uh good time at the game absolutely yeah well honestly thank you so much for for having me on it was uh it's definitely an honor to be on and uh i really really love what what you do posting up all the fights it makes my job way easier because i can do my homework on oh guys. yeah i was about to say fight yeah, in my notes here as i forget and i was i meant to ask are you a big video guy do you like going back oh, and watching fights? yeah like yeah. i definitely want to know whatever like i think every guy will probably tell you that like i want to know uh what everyone's tendencies are, whether, you know, at the most basic level, what they're, whether they're a lefty or a righty or, um, you know, but yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm on the YouTube page every single day. I'm watching every <laughs> single fight. Like I'm probably like, I'm subscribed. You know? like, I, I have the notification bell. Like I'm watching all the fights for sure. So yeah, we'll see. I think I'm going to, well, I'm going to try to do it tonight after the, uh, the playoff game between Florida and Toledo. We'll see how that goes. Is that like that game starts in like two, three minutes. Um, yeah. But after that, I'm going to end up going back and I got to go. I'm trying to finish it. I was going to do it while I was in the mountains this past weekend, but the, the Wi-Fi was so bad I could not do it. I'm doing the uh, – I think I you probably saw the sneak preview, but like the best of the ECHL this year. And then yeah. I'm going to end up doing like, you know, Anthony Collins year 2022, Nico Blatchman 2022, whatever. So like I'm going to end yeah. up making compilations for all these guys, but just takes a little bit of time. So when, I, when I'm not getting paid full time to do the podcast and YouTube, it's a little tough. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, but, but honestly, like all that you do, like it must be incredibly time consuming, but like I'm all the guys in the league, like we really appreciate it and we all watch it and we all look at it every day. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully if I get a good ECHL one up, you guys can just watch it in the bus and get pumped for the game or some shit. Who knows? (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) For sure. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what you bring to the team next season, whether you're in Worcester or wherever you may land, I'll be following your, uh, your, your game notes and the box scores closely. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. For sure, man. You have a good one. You too.